So good to see all of you. If I have not met you, my name is Maurice. It is so good to see all of you this morning. Um, I am the associate teaching pastor here, and a portion of my role coming up this fall will actually be working with young adults. So young adults, if you are in the room, we see you, and now we're going to be trying to do some things to put some things in motion uh, to build some community, go on retreats, make an amazing time out of our experiences here at Ascent, and uh, especially if you call Ascent home. Um, if that inspires you in any way, go ahead and join the team. Help us out as we're continuing to build that ministry, and also, even if you're not a part of that team, be a part of the team by praying for that, all right? Uh, this morning, we actually have been in a series called When God Interrupts. For the past few weeks, we have been noticing and diving into the character of God when it comes to Him interrupting our lives. We see that He just doesn't love us. He just doesn't sit back from afar and say, you guys are awesome. He actually gets close, up close and personal, and interrupts our lives. The, the, the statement that we've been wrestling with and we've been talking about is that God's interruption is always God's introduction. Now, before we get started in what he's going to be introducing us to this morning, the topic of what he's going to be guiding us into and what he really wants us to grasp, if you leave here with nothing else, I need you to hear this one statement right here. We're going to put our stake in the ground. We're going to draw a line in the stand with this statement right here that God has always been a part of your story. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it was, I need you to grasp hold of that. And this morning, as we dive into what we're going to be talking about, which is perspective, you're going to see that clearly. But I need you to know that God has always been a part of your story. From the very beginning, before you had, you were created, you were a, God was a part of your story. Way before your parents had an awesome night, God was a part of your story. He saw you, he foreknew you, he shaped you, he knew what you were going to be and everything that it was going to take to bring you to this place. You got to know that God has always been a part of your story. So as we go into what God is introducing us to this morning, it's going to be perspective because I believe sometimes it all boils down to a matter of perspective. Perspective is so powerful because two people can be looking at the same thing but have two different positions, have two different vantage points, and from their angle, that's their truth. From their angle, that is their reality. But what God does when he interrupts our lives is he comes in from a sky view. He comes in with a whole view. He gives us a whole perspective, and as he interrupts our lives, he wants us to join him on having a whole perspective. So this morning, we're gonna be diving in on perspective, all right? Uh, before we get into that though, I have to share with you what I have been coming across lately. Sometimes you may know a person like I know a person, and that person is what I like to call the grammar police. They like to correct everything that you say. I mean, it's, that's not the right conjugation, that's not this. I mean, it's is not, it's not isn't. I mean, they have everything to say about how you use your words. Sometimes it get irritating, but sometimes I appreciate that person. Like the time that I was in a restaurant and I sat down and I ordered barbecue chicken pizza. The waitress came, I said, let me go ahead and get a barbecue chicken pizza. I'll take water, I'm trying to watch my weight. So let me go ahead and get a barbecue chicken pizza. Actually, let me watch my weight a little bit more. I want a side of Kanoya salad. <laughs> the waitress takes the menu, walks away. Says nothing to me. Doesn't help a brother out at all. The person next to me, she hears it, leans over and says, 
it's actually pronounced quinoa. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, hold on, for 28 years, it's been quinoa. <laughs> Riverside Public School Education told me to sound my words out. And if you read it the way that it's written, it is quinoa. And I've been saying that for many, many years. And it came across this article this week as I was reading. Some of you guys may know Inc. Magazine, I-N-C. Inc. Magazine wrote an article on 21 words you have probably mispronounced your entire life. So I need you guys to, I need you guys to join in with me on this. Participate. I'm going to throw a word up on the screen. Don't think about it. Just say it out loud. You don't have to scream it. If you want to scream it, scream it. But just say it out loud. All right? You're going to join in with me. Here's the first word. Watch this. Three, two, one. All right, who's in the party of mischievous? Raise your hand. All right, mischievous. Who's in the party of mischievous? All right. As you can see, the smart people are the smaller few. <laughs> Go ahead and put it up there. You thought this was a four syllable when it, came, uh, when it really has only three. It's not mischievous, it's mischievous. And I'm gonna be trying to sound these words out. I have not perfected these words, all right? Here's the second one. Three, two, one, say it. All right. How many of you, be honest, who puts an X on it? Espresso. Who puts an X on it? Be honest. All right, I guess I'm the only, all right. There's a few others that put an X on there. Even in the way it's spelled espresso, we say espresso. Let me get an espresso, please. I'll take a tall espresso. That's the way we say it. This is like a direct quote from Inc. Magazine right here. So um, I guess Europeans say it correctly, so we need to say it correctly as well. Check this out. Three, two, one, the next one. Okay, raise your hand if you're a triathlon. Okay, raise your hand if you are triathlon, which I feel like is so the same. All right, but we put in a different, watch this, here it is, look at this. Most of us add a syllable that isn't there pronouncing it triathlon, which I do, it's actually triathlon. Whew, I gotta pause for a second and kind of think about it. Here, watch this one. You, nobody's going to get this right. I can guarantee you. And I need you to don't think about it. Just say it as soon as you see it. Three, two, one. Who knew that it was a silent T? Wow. Okay. Wherever you went to school, we all need to go to school because it is often the T is completely silent. I never knew that. This next one right here. You ready? Three, two, one. Sherbert. Sherbert. Who's of the party of Sherbert? Come on, be honest. I guess it's Sherbet? 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 Something along those lines. All right, here's the last and final one right here. Last and final one. Here it is. Here's a debatable one right here. Throw it up on the screens. Ooh, here we go. Here we go, college students. Here we go. It's been a big debate about if this is GIF or JIF. Who says GIF? All right, all right. Who says JIF? Who has no clue what we're talking about right now? <laughs> Go ahead and be honest. There you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, those are probably all Android users right there. But uh, check this out. Here it is. Let's just settle this debate once and for all. The actual inventor of JIF says it's pronounced JIF. So I've been pronouncing all these words wrong. How many of you got all of them correct? Anybody got everything correct? Okay, awesome. We're all in the same playing field here. <laughs> Middle schooler, that's what I'm talking about. Stay in school, kid. That's what it's all about. 
But for many years, we've been saying words the wrong way. And if you're like me, you're probably going to be mischievous, <laughs> eating sherbet your whole life, and to burn the calories, run a triathlon. Because I'm probably going to keep saying those same correct words, same words the way that I've been using them. And the way I read this article, it made me laugh, but it also made me ponder. If we can go our entire lives, if I can move throughout life for 28 years saying Quinoya, <laughs> what else? I know that's funny. But what else have we missed the mark on? Not only on surface things like words, because words are okay. But what if there are some deeper things if we don't take inventory of our life that we've missed the mark on, or that we've had the wrong perspective on. Because we can miss out on mispronouncing words, but if we miss the mark on things like our spiritual journey, the way that we view God when it comes to faith, when it comes to this walk of how we see him, actually, let's take it a step further, how we see ourselves, if we don't have the right perspective in those areas, it's a little bit more than a chuckle and a laugh. Those hold a little bit more weight. And today, I want to talk about perspective. I want to talk about how Jesus comes into our lives and interrupts. But what good is an interruption if there is no purpose? What good is an interruption if all he's going to do is mess up my plans, make things dwindle, cause relationships to fail, whatever it may be, allow all kinds of stuff to happen to me. But I would argue he does have a purpose. And not the whole purpose, but a portion of the purpose is so that we can shift, have a paradigm shift in our alignment to view things the way that he views them. To have a perspective like he does. And in the moment, it's tough. In the moment, it's foggy. In the moment, it's heartache. And all I can think about is what's before me. But God says, I'm here to give you a whole perspective. Perspective means something to God. Because if we enter into seasons of our life without the right perspective, without having the vantage point of God, it will cause us to abort the mission. It will cause us to leave seasons that God told us to stay in. It will cause us to become frustrated and move too soon or stay too long. Perspective matters. And I see this in the story that I want to share with you guys this morning. It's in the story of, actually, this uh, John chapter 9. This guy named John he is a disciple of Jesus, which simply means he follows Jesus around everywhere. He is an eyewitness. He's a learner of Jesus. He sits with him. He walks with him. And he began to jot down all the things that Jesus is doing in people's lives and what Jesus does. I mean, he writes down every single detail. And in John chapter 9, he writes these words that I actually want us to really lean into of this story right here. It says this. I'm going to read the whole thing because there's going to be a few confusing parts in there, but then I'm going to read the whole thing and then come back, all right? It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why, listen to this, was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Pause for a second. This is kind of weird. This is kind of like, why did this come up? He's saying this man has been born blind, and now they're asking, okay, what did he do? 
I'm born blind, and now you're saying I did something to be blind. So they're making this equivalence of you must have done something, or your parents must have done something, that's why you're blind. In that time and in that culture, it was the, of the belief that you could have sins passed down from the father, from your family, a family sin passed down. And so this man is born blind, and they're already saying, who did it? Well, why, why is this man born blind? They're continuing to ask Jesus, why is this? And we're going to explore that a little bit later. But they say, why, does, why did this happen? And, and any person, let me take a pause for a break, in, in, for a moment. Any person in that time, if it was an illness or uh, any type of ailment, they would say, you must have done something. There's some sort of wrong that took place. This is because of you. That was their mindset. That was their thinking of that time. Watch Jesus, though. Watch his perspective. Rabbi, excuse me, Jesus answered, this happened. So the power of God could be seen in him. He says, pause, wait a second. The way that you have been viewing life, the way that you have been looking at people, the way that you have seen and you have uh, uh, perceived people and life and faith, hold on, let's take a pause for a second. It's wrong We have to shift that. We have to change. Let me bring you in alignment. Now I'm on earth, there is a new way. There is a new way of thinking. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about old wineskins can't be poured into new wineskins. Simply talking about there cannot be an old mindset brought into a new season. So he says, before we move any forward, before we go any further in this, you got to shift the way you see life. And he says... This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. What if the way we viewed our circumstances has been a broken view? What if the way that we perceived tough times, the way that we perceived uh, uh, issues that we faced in life, what if we only saw it from our view and not from this perspective. God, when he interrupts our lives, he doesn't just interrupt for no reason. I believe he interrupts to bring perspective, and perspective prepares us. Think about it. We have all made the statement, if I knew then what I know now. If I knew then what I know now. What you're saying is, if I had the perspective then that I have now. Wow, what would my life look like? How would I go after that job? How would I live into my purpose? How would I face this illness that has attacked my body? What would I do if I knew what the other side looked like? Now, God is not one that always gives us the details of his plans, but he does say, hold on to perspective. Let me finish this verse right here and let me get into what we're talking about. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. The perspective that Jesus brings when he steps on the scene is an eternal perspective. It is a, a, a perspective of looking at things in a new way. And what I love about this story, I got two things and I'm getting out your way. What I love about this story 
is that God chooses the blind man. He goes to the blind man. The blind man is doing all that he's doing on his own. He's living his own life. He's sitting by the wayside, begging for money, begging for mercy. He's sitting by the wayside because society has ostracized him. Society has oppressed, marginalized this person. Society has decided to deem this person as unlovable, unreachable, and Jesus is walking and decides to pause for a second and enter into this man's story with all that he's facing. Let's take a moment to step in his shoes for a second. He's born blind. He's born with a lack. He's never seen the face of his mother. The Bible doesn't say if he has kids or a wife, but if you could imagine, he's never seen, if he's held a baby, the smile and grin of a child. He's never been able to see the face of a friend or his first girlfriend. He can't recollect of what the face is. He he doesn't know what trees look like. He doesn't know as people are walking around what all sorts of human beings, as there are different shades and different colors, he has no clue. He's lacking something. And Jesus chooses him. Jesus enters his life. I got to encourage you for a moment. It does not matter what you may have lacked. I don't want to say it as an inconsiderate thing, but the thing that you may be lacking in your own life does not disqualify you from God blessing your life. You having lack, you having a deficiency, you growing up without a mother, growing up without a father, being too poor, being too broke, being too black, being too whatever it may be, whatever that thing is, we can start to be introvert and start to think of our own things, what we don't have, what we're lacking, what we don't have, and God steps on the scene. Jesus enters this man's life and says, I choose you for my power to be displayed. It's good news on the aftermath. It's tough in the middle. I understand it. Going through it, when you're looking at it, it things get foggy. You can't see the end But when Jesus comes in, he wants us prepared to step into seasons of our life with perspective. One day we may get a call. One day there may be things you may have faced in life that you have a terminal illness. You may have faced the call of hearing the drunk driver that just hit a family member. You may in life, face real issues. There's some things that you may be facing in your marriage and it seems like it's unhappy. There's tough times and there's real issues that we face, but yes, there is a real God. Yes, there is a real Savior to be with us. He was always there in your story. And the perspective he wants us to have is maybe if we look at it in a different way. Maybe if we look at it without just our perspective, we can see, wait a second, God was at work all along. Many of you in the room, you're kind of like me. You may have faced this on a small scale or big scale. And you can look back over your life and say, I hated that season. 
I hated being in the midst of that broken heart. I despised being in a season of broke and had no money. I didn't like when I had to face the loss of a loved one. And you can see in the midst of it. But on the other side, you can say, oh, wow. This happened for that very reason. And maybe you haven't faced that yet. Maybe you haven't come across that instant yet. But maybe... There's some things in our lives, if we look at our situations the way that God looks at our situations, it's not so much why. The disciples, why? Why did this happen? Why? Why did this happen? And we can join in on the disciples team and ask why. And sometimes we don't have the answers. And why will drive us up a wall. But maybe the question is what? God, what do you want to do in this situation? What is it that you are trying to get out of me? What is it that you desire, that you've decided to choose me to be on public display to the neighborhood? They found out about my secret. They understood that they realized what was taking place in my home. Everybody knows it's placid on Facebook and on social media. Why did that happen? And I don't want to breeze over that because I want you to know that there is a season for everything, to mourn and to grieve. But maybe the question is what? What is it that he wants to get out of your life? What is it? What power is he trying to work not just to you but through you? God sees this man and he says it happened so that my power could work through this man. And I believe when we tap into God's perspective, we can see that he's been in our story all along. And there was not so much a why, but there was a what. And he had a plan in mind to use everything that you faced. Use all that has happened to you. Use all the lack that you have faced. Use whatever ailment or whatever thing was yours. His was being blind. Maybe yours, maybe something else. But God uses that, repurposes it, reshapes it for his glory. And it is a privilege to be chosen by God. In the midst of it, it sucks. In the midst of it, it hurts. In the midst of it, it's tough, but God is saying, I allowed it to happen for my glory. And if I could add, just because I'm in a preaching mode right now, maybe it was on public display because as you read the story further, the blind man says, I don't know who did it. It was a man named Jesus. And now, the very thing that was public, the very thing that society deemed as him being broken, him being blind, him being the oppressed, he now has vision, he now has sight, and they all want to know, who did that? And maybe in your life, when you come out on the other side, or even as you're going through, people are going to come up to you because you got a smile on your face and they don't know why. 
They know your story. They know what happened, and yet you got a joy unspeakable. Yet, you can walk through life understanding a true perspective. You can go to work and people are wondering, why have you not let this take you out? Why have you not let this let you turn your back on God? Why did this situation not cause you to walk out, to leave, to move on, to go to something else? And with a smile on your face, with a joy that you can't explain, you can say, I don't know what happened, but a man named Jesus, he had to let it go public. He had to let the blind man be public and every person walk by him, see him day in and day out because when God did something, he's the only one that can get the glory. He's the only one that can say, I was the one that did that. When people tried to help, they couldn't help. It was Jesus all along. So first and foremost, he chooses us. Second, and I'm getting out your way, is it's not just for us. And sometimes in our situation, we can look because it's so tough, because it hurts. We, we, we can become center focus. We can become to think more and more about me. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. And those are all real things. I'm going through this. I can't move on because of this. I will not go for it. And it's becoming a lot of me and a lot of me. And God says, I'm working my power not just to you, but through you. And maybe you had to face some things in life for those around you. When you think about the others, when you think about people who, maybe your family members, maybe your coworker, People are watching how is your perspective, what is your perspective in this when you're facing tough times, what are you going to do? They're looking, they're watching you, your children are seeing how does daddy respond to the loss of his job. The people, co-workers are finding out that you've lost a family member and now they're wondering how will they face this and Jesus is not just for us, but those that are around us. And maybe your story is written so that you can lean back and reach somebody else. So that you can lean back and see, I've gone through that. I know what it is to be in that situation. And if I can just give them a word of encouragement. If I can help them with the next leg of their life, the next chapter, if I can just give them something to say as they're going through this. I was bullied when I was younger. Let me tell you because I know what you're going through. I was humiliated and everything was spread across my neighborhood of what happened between me and my spouse. And maybe there's somebody that can step into your story and say, wait a second, I've been there. I don't know everything, but lean on me in this season because I know. And there's something about connecting with people who understand. It's something about people who just get it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. But if some people, you know when you come across people, you get me. You understand me. You've walked in my shoes. How did you get through that? 
What was your journey like? And imagine if we threw in the towel. Imagine if there was no proper perspective. The blind man had to be used for God's glory. There's a video that I'm about to show you guys of this man named Nick. This man was born with no limbs, no arms, no legs. And you're going to see in his story as he talks about it and he articulates how God steps in, repurposes everything in the midst of the toughest time of Nick's life. And Nick gained perspective. Turn your attention to the screens. God will use the foolish things to confound the wise. God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet to prove that it's not about Nick. It's not about his ability. It's not about him and his strength and how, how he speaks all around the world and uses his hands greatly as gestures and body language while he gets excited preaching. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I didn't write my story. Jesus wrote my story. He knew me before the earth began. And I don't know about you, but yeah, it's good to have a job. It's good to have a relationship and get married and have kids. It's good to have that stuff. But until you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will be always something missing. You can't rely on you because you will fail you every single time, just about. I needed him, not just because of this, but for my heart, for my mind. By the grace of God, He kept me here on earth, even though I tried to commit suicide at age 10. The bullying at my school convinced me that I was a mistake, that I'd never eventuate to anything. Man, what a lie. When you realize it's just the devil, I say just the devil because the devil's nothing compared to Jesus. I was listening to the encouragement my parents were saying, but then listening to the lies at the same time, the lies saying, you're not good enough, Nick, just give up. No, I am wonderfully and fearfully made according to Psalm 139. Oh, Nick, you should just give up. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. At age 10, I didn't believe the truth because I wasn't running the race. I wasn't in the right race. The race where it's not just getting things in your life and doing things and having things. What happens after you get married? You think you're the happiest person alive. You need to talk to some married people first. <laughs> Amen? All right, so then after you get married, and I love my wife, trust me. But if you're not happy single in Jesus, then you're not gonna be happy married. Amen? It's not about me. It's not about my ability. It's not anything about that. It's all about Jesus. It's not about what you have or what you don't have, or what you wish you had or what you wish you didn't have. It's all about Jesus, that no matter where you are in your life right now, if you ask God to forgive you of your sin and you repent of your sin, God will come into your life, forgive you of your sin. You'll receive his life, his blessings, his life eternal, and his life life's plan for your life.
God has always been a part of your story. God has always been a part of our story. And if we don't have the perspective that Jesus interrupts our lives for us to have, we can walk around groping in the air. We can walk around blind, trying to lean on things. We can walk around reaching out for something. But it's not until we take a step back and see the perspective that God has when it comes to our situations that we face in life that we can say that was what that was for. I'll take it a step further. This is why I'm here on earth. Nick found his purpose. Nick found why he was created on earth. He found the very reason God shaped him. It was for Nick to go into all the world and tell his story. He travels everywhere. And as you've seen on the video, he goes to communities that are people that look just like him, have no limbs, and them being little children can look in his eyes and say, you've done it. If you can do this, if you can make it, I can make it. If he would have thrown in the towel, if he would have given up on the purpose of God that he shaped him and why he made him on earth, what children would have missed out on seeing Nick? What communities would have never been inspired? What people would have never seen Jesus has brought Nick fulfillment? And if he can do it for Nick, I know he's got to be able to do it for me. That's the type of God that we serve, and that is the perspective that he wants all of us to have. I know it hurts. I know it's a struggle. I know we face seasons where tough times hit our lives, and it feels lonely. It feels humiliating, but I'm here to tell you and encourage you, keep going. Take another step. Get into community and find the person, find the place that you need to be yourself. Not only that, look around and say, who can I help in this season? Who can I share my story with? I'm going to be saying a prayer, but at the end of the prayer, I actually want you guys to be thinking of something because I believe there's some people as we're going into the fourth week of this series when God interrupts. Some of you have been interrupted. Some of you are like the blind man, and you're saying, I don't know what it is, but something's changing in me. You're walking, and you're, you're desiring, you're starting to think, why? I, I'm desiring more of a church community. I'm desiring more of being in proximity to this faith thing. I don't know what's happening. Maybe you're in the room, you don't know God. Neither did the man who was blind. He was doing his own thing. But Jesus stepped in and interrupted his life, and some of you have been interrupted. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you, in the midst of my prayer, to just slip your hand up right where you are. Because I believe when we are faced with the reality of God's love, the reality of God's perspective, it'll provoke a response. 
when we know that God has been there all along. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, we come to you right now. God, we come to you broken. We come to you with an illness, with a blindness, with a whatever we are facing in life. And we ask, God, that if you haven't already, we open up ourselves for our lives to be interrupted. We open up ourselves right now because we see two things that you have chosen us and that our story is not just for us, but for those around us. Thank you for your perspective. Thank you for giving us a new way of seeing life, a new way of seeing situations. God, thank you. Where would we be? Where would we be without your perspective? As we leave this place, God, allow us, open up our hearts to see the way that you see. And God, I believe there's some people in the room right now, you have been interrupting them. You have been doing odd things that they cannot connect the dots. They cannot conclude. They cannot figure it out with their own mind. But God, it's you. And I believe right now, there are people who are interrupted. I want to ask you to take a step with every eye closed and every head bowed to raise your hand right where you are to say, yeah, Maurice, that's, that's me. My life has been shifted. My life has been interrupted. Maurice, there are some things happening in my life. There's a perspective that I need. I'm going to give you a few more moments. It's not for me to see your hands greater than that. God sees that hand. And when we take steps to him, the Bible says, as we draw near to him, he draw near to us. You got a few more moments to respond to the interruption, to respond to the reality of God's love. As you look back over your life, he's always been there. I see your hands, you can put them down. God, with every hand that was raised, oh God, you're doing something. Oh God, I believe in your power. I've experienced it. And as they take steps, don't leave them hanging. God, as they take steps, show them away. As they take steps, give them endurance for the fight. Give them endurance for the season of being in the middle. They're not yet on the other side, but give them perspective right now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.